everybody, welcome back to another episode of Good Morning Mondays, a series that aims to bring you good news, fun facts, and new perspectives, and basically all things good vibes. We know that there's a lot of bad news going on lately, but we hope to show you that even in the bad, the good still exists as long as we're willing to look out for it. In a nutshell, this is just a conversation between two friends trying to stay positive, and we hope to inject some positivity in your lives as well. Okay, so for today, I have something quite um, unconventional to share with you. We're going to be sharing with you about this post I saw on the Mothership Instagram, which was, I think, posted about two or three days ago. And the caption was called, Brave Chicken nonchalantly chills in front of stalls selling roast chicken. Oh gosh, so, irony. Yeah, so when I saw this, I was, I was very amused because it, it hit my humour. I have that joke humour, so it really... <laughs> <laughs> it really got to me and it got me thinking about the chickens that live in my estate also so I live in the Simin estate and most of the time when people visit me they are very amazed that there's so many chickens around my estate they'll tell me like oh do you know that there's chickens there then I'm like yeah I know every time I come home every time I go out I see the chickens so I just want to share with you how important these chickens are to me and I have a bigger point to this so hear me out first before you skip this podcast um, <laughs> so basically um, these chickens have been in swimming for a really long time based on what I know and mm-hmm. I moved to swimming when I was in primary school so I've known these chickens for like more more than a decade now and I feel like I've grown up with them I was just gonna ask that, I was just gonna ask that do you feel like you've grown up with them and you see them grow along with you yes and it's so it's so heartwarming because I I grew up with them and then now recently there's been new chicks going around and I'm like oh they got babies so I got really excited and it just got me thinking about all the good memories I've had with the chickens at Siming. So one particular memory that I can't really forget would be there was a chicken at the zebra crossing and then um, I was about to cross the road and I had to wait for the car to leave. So after the car left, I crossed the road and the chicken crossed with me. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, this is a chicken crossing the road. So that was one incident and I think the Siming residents will also know that the chickens crow very loudly. So in the middle of the night, about 2 a.m., 4 a.m., you'll hear them crowing and then sometimes you can hear them fighting, which is like really funny because it's kind of like you're hearing your neighbors fight. Yeah. Yeah, so you really get the kampong feel, I guess. Yeah. And so um, I was doing more research into the Siming chickens and apparently there was this film made by this guy called Jun Chong and it's called New Resident and it documents essentially a fictional story of the Siming chickens Mm -hmm. and this related back to the issue of relocating the Siming chickens and culling of the Siming chickens if you remember I think two three years ago Mm -hmm. there was this Mm -hmm. big issue of whether like they should remove the chickens from Siming because there were too many chickens in Siming and apparently there was a poll that was conducted and 90% or more than 90% of the residents wanted the chickens to stay but eventually I think some of the chickens got relocated so the residents were a little bit upset and this issue brought things into perspective for me because I started to think about why 
do we have to remove the chickens from our home or why must we remove the chickens from our estate and is it because we see the chickens as invading our space why do we not see it as us invading their space because this as much as this place is our home it's also the chickens home so what makes it right for us to get rid of the chickens and to bring in a bigger question i guess it's you know what is our relationship with nature or what is the human relationship with respect to nature yeah so this reminded me of something i learned in history which was um let me take you back to the 1600s which was the beginning of the scientific revolution in europe yeah so the scientific revolution was a period where there were a series of events that marked the emergence of modern science during the early modern period when developments in mathematics physics astrology biology and chemistry transformed the views of society about nature and as part of this whole scientific revolution there developed this theory of empiricism which states that knowledge comes only from or primarily from sensory experience So what does this mean? This gave rise to the scientific method, which includes testing, experimenting, and observing. So this might seem like just the scientific revolution. People just developed a new method of looking at the world. But I realize that it's so much more than just science being developed. Yeah. It's not just a methodolo- methodology that was being developed, but also an ideology. Because I was doing this module on ecology and feminism. And what we realized was when you start using the scientific method, mm-hmm. then that was the beginning of when humans viewed themselves as separate from nature. Cuz now you had to conduct experiments on nature. Now you had to observe nature. You had to record nature. So it was no longer humans living among nature, but humans have to study nature. Humans are in a sense superior to nature also. So yeah. That's how impactful the scientific revolution was for all of us actually cuz even until today when we think about when we think about home do we think about the concrete walls or do we think about just earth in general yeah, exactly. when we think about home mm, i think when we think about home most people think about the hdb flats in singapore or yeah. the condominium you live in but you don't really think of home as one entire ecosystem Yeah, which is so very ironic, right? Yeah, it is very ironic because we humans came later than the earth. Yeah. And if you think about it in a sense we are invading the earth. Yes. So, in my opinion, it's not very fair that we think about earth or we think about nature as something that's separate from us. Mm. I think we need to reframe the way we think about our relationship with nature. And I think this goes back to an example I was thinking of. which was the swimming chickens again. Mm-hmm. So essentially when I was younger, when I was in primary school, there was this big field around the swimming area. And then the chickens would play there. And I guess they would get food there. I don't really know where they get their food, but they would be at the big field most of the time. But now because there's a new residential development there, then the chickens essentially lost their home. Yeah. And now you can see them just roaming around the HDB blocks because they essentially have nowhere else to go now. Yeah. So that was quite sad to see, but it put things into perspective for me. And I guess to share some fun facts about this whole relationship with nature thing. And drawing on theories from ecofeminism, ecocriticism, there was also this thing called the rise of the nature culture binary. So essentially, remember I was mentioning about how we distance ourselves from nature because of the scientific revolution. Yeah. Then that led to this 
nature culture divide. So culture, civilization, rationality, science is all grouped into one part of the binary. And then nature, irrationality, wilderness, and uncivilized people are grouped into the other side of the binary. So this has very real effects on human relations in a sense that how we view nature is also how we view our relationships with other human beings. So for example, if I ask you to think about the uncivilized barbarian, I guess the picture you have in your head is someone who is probably not white. Someone yeah. who is someone who should be colonized living, in the eyes of the white someone, people. Yeah. Someone who should be colonized, someone who's living in like a wooden hut. Someone who's yeah. living among the Sahara Desert or yeah. in the wilderness in the jungle. So a lot of the tropes we have in our minds today are very related to nature. The uncivilized people are closer to nature while the civilized people are closer to or at least farther away from nature. They are living in pristine houses, they're mm-hmm. living in um, man-made the architecture. Jungle. Yeah, the concrete jungle in a sense. So this is how we view nature and that affects how we view people. I mean, that's not the only cause, but I think that's one part of it. And I thought that was very interesting to share. Ultimately, I think this also links back to climate change issues we have today. Yeah. So there's a lot of debates going on about whether we should do something to tackle climate change. And obviously, a lot of people agree that we should do something. But there are a lot of people who disagree also. Yeah, there are people who disagree. And that shows how we view nature and mm-hmm. our relationship with it as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess overall, we need to relook at our relationship with nature. And for people who are listening in as well, Maybe, hopefully, I guess this little piece of information that I've shared today could help you rethink your relationship with nature and rethink how you've been framing yourself vis-a-vis your relationship with your environment. Yeah, so that was quite long. That was the first piece of news I wanted to share with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And the next piece of news I wanted to share with you is that the MCU Phase 4 trailer is out on the IGN YouTube channel. If... You haven't watched it, I shall not spoil too much for you. But essentially, it went through the whole phase 1 to phase 3 of the MCU. Um, if you don't know what the MCU is, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so, um, and they showed the lineup for phase 4. And phase 4 includes Black Widow, which comes out in July 9th, 2021. And personally, I'm looking forward to the release of Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, of the Ten Rings, sorry, in September 3rd, 2021. So what's so special about this film? It's Marvel's first Asian superhero film and it's also directed by Destin Daniel Creton. I hope I didn't butcher his name. Um, and his mother is Japanese-American if I'm not wrong. So he's kind of of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. And the character was actually first created in the comics all the way back in the 1970s. So I think it's great that we're finally having an Asian superhero on the big screen. This is something that I think the Asian community is looking forward to and I hope, you know, crossing my fingers that it goes well. I really hope it goes well because it's the first Asian superhero and we mm-hmm. want it to be, not to fall into any stereotypes, right? Yeah, represent it well lah. Yeah, The Eternals are coming out, directed by Chloe Zhao, who yes. won the Oscars. Yeah, we talked about her last week if you want to find out more. Yeah, I think that has quite a diverse cast. Yeah, I heard about it too. Yeah, so it comes out November 5th, 2021. And then other films that are coming out would include like Spider-Man, No Way Home, 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panda Wakanda Forever. And you know, before I pass the time to you, I wanted to talk about the narration in the video or the narration in the trailer. So the narration was done by Stan Lee. I think they compiled clips or uh, audio clips of his speeches over the past years. Mm-hmm. And he said something along the lines of the world may change and evolve, but one thing that will never change, we're all part of one big family. And I guess he's talking about the Marvel universe, but for me it was really touching because I think in the world we live in today, where everyone is isolated, where there's so much division, for me I think this was a good reminder that we are still one family, we're one human civilization, yeah. and we should be there for one another. And I think the MCU is doing a good job at bringing people together as well. Because if you think about it, it's quite amazing, right? To have all these films create an entirely new universe for people to dwell in. In their fantasies, I would say. It's escape lah. Yeah, it is. And it's amazing how if I cross the ocean today and I meet someone else from another country and they know about the Marvel Universe, instantly we have something to talk about. We connect because we feel like we belong to this universe together and we're so invested into it. And so I thought that this was a piece of good news I wanted to share to all the MCU fans out there. So that's all I have for today. Okay, so moving on. Um, I think a lot of people have probably seen this in the news. It's been everywhere um, in the news. Basically about a Malian woman giving birth to nine babies. Like, oh my god, how did That's she have crazy. nine babies in her womb? Like, how did she move? I, okay, like, I'm saying this because I remember when my mom was pregnant with my sister, like, when I was, like, nine years old, eight years old, and already, like, seeing her move around when she was, like, um, I think, like, what, 30 plus weeks already, like, going to give birth, uh, it was crazy, like, it was so difficult, and, like, I cannot imagine, like, nine babies, that is crazy. Yeah, so she's a 25-year-old Malayan woman. Her name is Halima Sise. I hope I pronounced it correctly. And she had nonoplots. So she had five girls and four boys. And she delivered by C-section um, at 30 weeks in the Morakon Hospital. First thought when I heard nine babies, I was like, oh my god, did she have a natural birth? But that's quite stupid. Lah. I mean, how can she have a natural birth for nine babies? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so... But good news is that the babies are in a stable condition and the mother is in, a ver- in very good health, which is very rare in these circumstances. So because most of the time, um, at 30 weeks, I mean they are premature babies, right? So babies who are normally born before 37 weeks are at risk of developing respiratory po- problems because of immature lungs or are prone to infections such as sepsis because of the weaker immune system. So this is an extremely rare and exceptional case. I think was even it must have really been a surprise that because apparently at scans the doctors told them that they were gonna have seven babies. And then on delivery it's like, oh you got two more. Surprise. Like buy seven, get two free. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so well, it must already be very overwhelming to hear. Then you end up hearing like finding out that you have nine, you're just like, oops, wow, okay. But yeah, so it was really like a huge chest like operation because like there was a team of 10 doctors and 25 paramedics to assist in the delivery of the premature babies like 35 people to it's deliver It's quite crazy babies. though can you imagine how painful the labour must have been? Mm, yeah I mean yeah yeah definitely right okay but the thing is I wouldn't know if she actually went through labour labour or whether they induced it but even then to a certain extent right there should have 
there should have been some kind of labor because I think what happened was that um she was flown from Mali to Morocco so like mm. the attention like the Malian leaders heard about her case and made sure that she was flown to Morocco where she would get the help of like specialists and I think they were trying to lengthen her her labor lengthen her pregnancy so that um mm. the babies would be born in a more developed stage so um they probably most likely induced it so hopefully she didn't have to go through too much pain before they actually did the operation mm. and it's it's basically she said a world record lah for most children in a single birth to survive so previously a woman had eight babies in the US in 2009 and she holds the Guinness world record for that and um So now her children are healthy and um are 12 years old. So she she conceived them through in vitro fertilization. And altogether she has 14 children. And also two sets of nanoplots had been previously recorded, but unfortunately um they didn't survive for more than a few days. So one case was a woman in Australia in 1971 and another to woman in Malaysia in 1999. That's our year of birth by the way. Yeah, so it's apparently it's quite unnatural for unusual for these pregnancies to occur naturally. Like because uh, I mean I'm no science kid but uh having nine eggs fertilized at one time I don't think that's possible naturally. So it's normally the result of fertility treatment. I would be so terrified if it was natural to have nine babies. Okay, in general to me the entire idea of like pregnancy and having babies like the more I hear about it like from my mom or like as I read up. I guess cuz as we grow older, we know that it it possibly will be a reality moving forward. Then you just want to like know more. Like the more I read about it, the more scary it is to me. At the same time it's like amazing. It's like it's amazing that our bodies can do things like that. Like women's bodies in general like, are amazing. Okay, like some body positivity and like low key self praise here because um, <laughs> but yeah, and like the more I read about it, I see like the struggles. Or I read about people's struggles. I think people are very open on social media now, even with like people mm. who are not able to conceive naturally and they have to go through IVF and everything. It's really a very tedious, difficult process. I mean, it's not cheap for sure, and um, it's very emotionally um, tiring. Because you know mm. you definitely want to have a child, and you put in so much money and um, time and effort, but you don't know whether you really be able to conceive, like become pregnant someday. Yeah. But yeah, it's really I guess the lengths people go to, and I mean it's totally justified, right? To have children, and it's amazing that our bodies are able to have these children and help them like develop and eventually like give birth, right? Mm. But so yeah, apparently. Um, The the occurrence of multiple births is something that um increased with the occurrence of um fertility treatments. So, but we don't know whether it happened in the case of um Halimasisi. So, for in the context of the US, there was a rise in the rate of twins from when fertility treatments were adopted, like IVF and drugs that induce ovulation. So, when the first baby in the US was conceived with assisted reproductive technology in 1981. Twins accounted for roughly one out of every fifty-three births, but by 2014, um, this has become nearly twice as common. So one out of every twenty-nine births. Wow, that's amazing, though. Yeah, I'm already thinking like twins must be very hard to handle, like two babies, like two newborn babies. I'm still just thinking about how she handling with nine babies, man. Yeah, I think having nine babies is an amazing feat. She's practically Wonder Woman by now, or Superwoman, yeah, or yeah. Supergirl, however you want to call her. But I think, like you were saying, women in general, right, to to go through the entire process of pregnancy to have a human growing in your womb—that's 
That is so scary and that's so for me so terrifying because as we know pregnancy isn't just getting pregnant it's a whole change to your body your hormones yeah. your structure yes yeah and so for her to have nine babies it's i can't even imagine mm-hmm. she's got 10 children in total now i think the couple has an older daughter as well so <laughs> the older, as the oldest myself i mean i was very excited when i was gonna have a new sister <laughs> I cannot imagine what she must be feeling having nine younger <laughs> siblings like coming home with the entire what football team <laughs> okay no football team okay I, I'm very football illiterate but yeah I mean to me it's like a football team not like nine siblings yeah but this this entire this story really ties in with Mother's Day which happened yesterday on the 9th of May and it's really I guess the day I mean we should always be celebrating our mothers right I mean they do so much for us like strong mm. women, like whatever your whatever prof- profession your mother does, or whatever you know, uh, measurement of success we attach to women nowadays. Regardless of that, our our mothers are like amazing people for like bringing us into this world and like nurturing us and raising us, and I guess just being there for us. And I, I think this yeah. case is really a reminder of how strong women are. And I, I think you know, thinking about my mom raising me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I try to put myself into her shoes And I think about If I had to raise a child like myself I wouldn't be able to do it I don't know I It's not that I don't love myself I truly do love myself But if I had to raise a kid like myself Going through puberty When I was in secondary school Being rebellious Giving the cold shoulder Oh my goodness How do parents survive that? I thought you say man I, I think I was a real bitch lah just yeah, thinking I had those things I said. Yeah, I think every kid has that moment, right? And I think if I was a future parent also, um, hopefully when I'm a future parent, I would also be thinking about oh my god, once my kids reach the teenage age, like how am I gonna deal with that? I don't think you can ever prepare to like deal with a teenage kid. I think it's difficult and it's also, you know, it's it's scary because I think as a parent you probably wanna be a good parent for your child, right? I mean there are of course other cases but you know just talking about our cases I would think our parents would want to be good parents and sometimes being a good parent doesn't doesn't always mean making your child happy yes yeah and definitely. doing what's best for your child doesn't always mean that your child will understand but then as a child you kind of want your own freedom you kind of want to do your own things yeah so I think it's amazing how my mom or my parents have handled me so far yeah, but you know, happy belated Mother's Day to every mother out there. You are amazing and we applaud you for everything you've done for your children. And all the sacrifices you've made. I guess Asian, on the note of Asian families, I would think that Asian families don't show much affection. I know some friends who have very affectionate families, mm-hmm. but in I think in our case, our families are not the affectionate kind. We don't go, I yeah. love you, every day. Yeah, no, I think not just about affection, but even like compliments or like praises, right? Like I don't think it's common for your parents to say things like, oh, I'm so proud of you, or like, amazing job, that kind of thing, you know? Like I don't know, when I see white, sh- white TV shows, like American TV shows or like Instagram, mm. it's always like, I'm so proud of you, like, good job, you did amazing, that kind of thing. Like, I think in Asian families, most of the parents are like, good lah, good lah, good lah. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. You know? I think, you know, we are generally allergic to praises and apologies. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, allergic to it. Yeah, but I mean, overall, we know that, I guess, the funny thing, or something that I've noticed about the Singaporean community is that we appear very tough 
but <laughs> we are also good at heart, most of us. So, you know, when we see someone who needs help, when we see kindness, we are still warmed by it, if that's an appropriate phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I guess how I remind myself is that even if I do something kind and I feel awkward and the person I'm doing it for doesn't reciprocate, doesn't express their gratitude well, just know that ultimately we're all humans and to to have someone do something nice to you, it will warm your heart, even if you if even if the person doesn't show it. Yeah, so take heart in that. Yeah. And also just to end off, a happy advance Hari Raya Pasa. So it's gonna be the end of the fasting month. And yeah, happy Hari Raya to all yes, of Yes, happy Hari Raya and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.